0: Two, three, You are listening to the Felony Podcast on the Startup Radio Network. The Felony Podcast explores ex-felons that have gone on to launch their own startups. We explore the ups, the downs, the behind-the-bar stories with these founders. The Felony Podcast airs every Friday morning at 10 a.m. Pacific Time.
1: Welcome to Felony Inc. Yeah. DJ Dick Hennessy in the house, as usual. As usual. And today we have Daryl Buckles. woo Federal parolee, started his own business, towing trucks. And if I remember correctly, you were towing trucks before you got in trouble.
2: Yes, I was.
1: So, anyway, let's just get right to it, Um, Daryl. Let's tell a little bit um, about your, uh, you know, growing up and how things were going with that and... You know what? What um, led you to be a troubled youth?
2: Well, uh, you know, I just kind of was one of those normal guys that uh, smoked weed and you know snuck around and hid behind mom and dad's back and uh, back drank when, a little here and there. And
1: back when it was illegal.
2: Yeah, yeah, back when it was do illegal. You, do you smoke any weed now? Uh, no, I'm 100% clean and sober right now. Well,
1: I, I wish I could smoke weed, but I'd get so paranoid, because <laughs> it was illegal <laughs> back then. <laughs> yeah,
2: I'm 100% clean and sober right now. Well, um, congratulations uh, on that.
1: That's a that's a feat in itself.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's, uh, um, it's, uh, yeah, I grew up a lot around it. Uh, most of my friends, you know, we all just sort of drank and smoked, and then it kind of led off into meth, and. You know, and the next thing you know, I'm shooting meth and you know doing crimes to support my habit, and uh, you know ended up uh, ended up just in and out, in and out, in and out of prison through most of my childhood. Just well, never jumping, really.
1: You're jumping forward really faster. I want to talk about like you know, you had a normal childhood. You're a middle class American. Oh uh, yeah, male Kid, you were like a, a the prom king or whatever. No.
2: Um, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I wouldn't go. I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> uh, well, you're uh, uh, yeah. i was, I was a normal kid, blue handsome. collar family.
1: Blue collar, yeah. You're, I think you guys owned a taxi cab. I remember that. Um, yeah,
2: yeah. Dad had uh, dad had a cab company,
1: and uh, um, so yeah, so you driving and stuff, and then so um, uh, so you're just average normal person that was a little stoner dude that elevated to, uh, I guess that was a gateway drug.
2: Absolutely.
1: <laughs> okay. I think you get a lot of opposition on that, Daryl. <laughs> <laughs> the devil's lettuce. So, um where was when did you first start like uh gravitating towards um being a rebel?
2: Uh probably probably early teens.
1: Early teens, so <laughs> r- immediately you were like drawn to this culture?
2: Yeah. Yeah, I had a lot of biker families and uh, uh, friends around the neighborhood that were all kind of rebels, and I just sort of le- latched onto that.
1: I kind of did that too, I think, for some weird reason. I liked Led Zeppelin and rock and roll. So. <clears throat> Okay, go ahead. Continue. Unless you got any questions? I know, yeah, I, I know. I, I, I can see you over the <laughs> chomping the bit over there. This guy's good right now. You're in
0: trouble now, Joe. We're gonna, nah, we're gonna grill you. Okay. Uh, out of curiosity, what was the first time you were arrested? What was that for?
2: Uh, theft one. I was 18 years old. I uh, stole some stuff from a burglary so I could uh, come up on some weed money or something.
1: You stole stuff from a burglary.
2: <laughs> yeah. Or you committed well, a burglary. I committed a burglary. Okay. I, took some, took I guess I, when you
1: said that, I seen some guy doing a burglary and you stole his stuff. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I stole some burglar stuff.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Get to it.
2: Yeah, I actually, I, actually, I was just under. I was just under eighteen, but they held me uh, in jail until I turned eighteen, so I could go to prison.
1: That's very considerate of them. No probation, straight. No, nah. no, no pass go. No two hundred dollars, just straight to prison. Nah.
2: No none of that i i uh no they gave me uh back then they'd give you uh, the old guidelines they'd give you five years and you'd go do six months on it or something so
1: so i rem- uh, i remember that very well I remember being in jail on a bunch of Charges and I hadn't been on probation yet, but I was so gangster, and I didn't want to do probation because you know what I'm saying I was like yeah, right. I'm going to prison. What kind of idiot yeah. was I? I was, a, I was like a special kind of idiot. <laughs> yeah,
2: but, yeah, yeah, I'm
1: right there with you. <laughs> right, I'm not doing probation.
2: Yeah, you can yeah. just send me to the joint.
1: That's right. Yeah, I did that same thing. That's the most. <laughs> that's the dumbest thing I ever think I ever. Well, I've done some stupid things, but that was one of them. That was the top five. <laughs> <laughs> that's crazy that, that happened to you um, That you did that too Because usually most people They get in trouble They get on probation They want to like You know Oh, oh no I want to get out of jail But Okay I, I, go ahead Sorry I'm so interrupting right now
2: Oh you're perfect No that's cool So yeah uh, So anyway it did, I didn't really learn nothing from it You know I mean I went to jail And I met all these other guys That I hadn't seen for a minute and, and Those guys and, and, were cool yeah, and then I hit the yard and I and I realized it wasn't so tough. You know, it wasn't like everybody said, you know, you get to prison and you see all your buddies and everybody's lifting weights and smoking weed and, you know, everybody's kinda, you know, doing the same thing out in there that they were out here. It was kind of a it wasn't like a you know it wasn't like a real I didn't see it as a you know punishment. I didn't see it as an opportunity to to Yeah, I I just sort of grasped it and held on to it and well, I mean, it, helped, it was know. like
1: a community college for uh thugs. Yeah. You know, hey, I know how to make this key to get into any kind of lock or, you know, or Yeah. or uh is how you smuggle drugs. You know, yeah, I get it. I thought that I was intrigued by that.
2: Yeah, I, I, and that's kind of how I looked at it, you know. I looked criminal at criminal community college. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I looked at it as an opportunity to excel in my uh in my criminal life.
0: Wah, wah. <laughs> so, so you did that uh, quick little bid, and then you got out, and then did you just get right back to committed crimes again, or yeah, what happened? I
2: went, yeah, yeah, I went, yeah, I, yeah, I couldn't, you know, I just couldn't wait to get high again, basically. So just hit, and, uh...
0: I'm sorry, you just yeah. hit the ground running, essentially, after you got out that, that first bid? Yeah. And then what happened next?
2: Um... You know, I just, I kind of got on this burglary, uh, I kind of got on this burglary stage where I just, uh, sort of was victimizing, uh, the community, um, just going around doing random burglaries, uh, stealing stuff. And, you know, basically that just lasted until I got caught again. And then, uh, most of my charges were all just burglaries. Not, I don't say justice in like, you know, it's minimizable minimizing it, but most of my most of my charges were, you know, I'd just get out of prison and go do burglaries and, you know, never really tried to make it to... Uh, I never really tried to get a job or, you know, settle down. I just kind of... I was just kind of focused on getting high and stealing stuff.
0: You just went with what you know. You, you stayed in rhythm and then got in trouble for the same thing again, essentially. Yeah. And then uh, when you got in trouble again, you went back for more time this time or...
2: Yeah, I just kept doing little sentences, you know, just like, you know, six months, a year, you know, 18 months. I just kind of just kept going back and uh, doing the same things over and over again.
0: So uh, it sounds like you just got caught in the cycle of just going back into it, going back out of it, going back into it. How long did that last for?
2: Um, well, probably through uh, all the 90s.
0: Okay. And then, uh, was there a, a changing point or, uh, you know, something that like an epiphany that you had, where you were just like, okay, this is not working. Let me, uh, attempt to do something different with my life.
2: Well, um, it was, uh, I got out in 99 and, uh, um, and I tried, uh, I met a girl that, you know, I fell in love with and, you know, uh, had had a kid and um i remember that I tried to yeah i tried to like i tried to like uh put put my you know put put my life a little on a different level and i tried to hold a job i got a job and I tried to hold a job you know and i and it lasted a little while and uh I remember that actually um yeah I was it lasted to- about yeah that's about five six years, and I was hanging out with mark through that too.
1: And uh, You and my dad became kind of close. That was kind of cool. He's a great guy Um, Yeah, I love your dad, man. Yeah, my dad was special. Um, and that was cool I want to cry right now thinking about that, but um
2: yeah, (laughs) I
1: remember I was the bad guy (laughs) Um, You were doing so good and you and my dad like you know, that was so awesome Yeah,
2: Um, I I love your mom and dad man. I love your people
1: Right on. We love you too, (laughs) Daryl Yeah, so go ahead
2: so anyway, yeah. Um, but I, uh, you know, um, the life I was living was kind of, kind of like it was turning fake. I thought the relationship was, I thought fake, and then everything, everything to me seemed like it wasn't going in the direction that that I thought it should be going. Didn't you find a bunch and, of
1: dope in a bathroom somewhere and? That was yeah, a, a catalyst or a gun and a bunch of dope in some like uh, public restroom.
2: <laughs> yeah, it was in a gas station bathroom, man. I was I was uh, fighting with my wife and I and I and I pulled into this bath, this bar or this uh, gas station to use a bathroom and and there's a big old duffel bag on the back of this toilet and, and I looked inside of it and it was full of mess and uh, I'm diabetic so I had syringes on me. Oh jeez. Yeah, so I was just like, well, here we go. And uh
1: instant gangster just find Duffel bag.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's what happened, man. I uh uh made the, you know, horrible decision to go ahead and uh get high and uh and then I went right back to the old uh the old get high kick indoors, do burglaries, you know, just went right I mean, I went from you know, homeowner, father. I went from all that to you know, junkie, street junkie, just within within days.
1: So you couldn't like turn that duffel bag into like an empire. I mean, that's a lot of stuff to go through, a lot of dope to go through. <laughs> and then,
2: yeah, yeah, it was. Uh, I you know, I tried to be a gangster, and then and then it just got carried away. You got high
1: and, on your own supply.
2: Yeah, that's what, I never was a good uh, uh, money maker.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't either. I was always a generous guy. <laughs> I was like, I could never make. I could never stack the money. I was like, oh yeah, here, take this. You can have it. I'm cool. <laughs>
2: right, right. So yeah, it, um, so that was uh, like, that was uh, um, that sent me back again. I got. I ended up just running amok until, you know, the supply ran out, and then I started doing the same things again, stealing, and and then, uh, um, that time I got pulled over. Uh just did a burglary. I had some guns in the car and uh I was kind of freaking people out there for a while so um somebody somebody called the police and told them I was being dangerous and had guns and uh I got pulled over with these guns and and then uh that's all she wrote uh, then that that was a wrap. that was the end i got uh uh, the feds picked out picked that case up and uh uh they gave me an armed career criminal, uh, which is the name of my tow company, ACC affordable towing stands for armed career criminal. Does that
1: keep you grounded knowing that that name kind of keeps you remembering?
2: Yeah, that's why, I, that's why I did that, man. I put that name on my truck, man. So that every day when I walk outside now, I look at my truck and I see that ACC and, uh, uh, it's a reminder of what just happened, and does it's it stand?
1: Also re- does it stand for anything else besides a armed career criminals? Does it stand for like always credible uh, company or something? Have like <laughs> a, <laughs> or do you just tell people that's what it stands for?
2: Nah, I tell people, man, exactly what it stands for. When people okay. ask, you know, they say, "Hey, what's that ACC stand for?" I tell them. <coughs> um, I tell everybody out here on the streets now about my past and my history. I tell all the shops I tow for. About my uh, uh, about my case and what got me to the position I'm in now. I don't hold nothing back. That's good. Um, I didn't want to like have other tow companies later on down the line. I didn't want to have people out uh, people being like. Hey, that guy was in prison. Hey, that guy was a drug addict. Hey, that guy was a thief. So I just put it all out there from the get go. So there's no questions.
1: Oh, hey, yeah. I i to take a moment to shout out to uh, Jeff McCarter. He's a he's a guy up here. That um, Jeff, if you're out there, I I asked you to listen to this one because this guy does exactly what you do. But you're in Portland. We actually interviewed Jeff on this um, show. So I mean, nice. Yeah, Jeff. Yeah, um, Jeff, if you're out there, uh, you know, um, get some inspiration from this. We love you. Uh, Jeff's a great guy. Um. Tow company guys don't have to be bad guys like we all think they are <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: We're not all out repossessing cars <laughs> right? A lot of people
1: that look at you funny when you drive by like oh, a tow truck guy
2: Yeah, every time I go into Walmart, I can tell who's uh, owe, owes money on their cars still <laughs>
1: <laughs> Okay <laughs> I remember my my Corvette got repossessed. I think back around that time when I was living over on Centennial, I had that Corvette, and I forgot I I was even making payments on it. And it's like, one day I look out, and it goes down the road, and I go, wait, I ran out there. They were gone. (laughs) I love that
0: Corvette.
2: Yeah, I know you did.
0: (laughs) So just out of curiosity, so you go to the feds this time. Uh, How much time did you have to do?
2: Uh, They gave me 15 years, but the... uh, Supreme Court overturned all the armed career criminals that had burglaries for uh, predicates, so they had to go back and resentence everybody that had armed career criminals. And I actually got out five years early, so I got uh, so I did uh, right at ten years.
1: Oh geez, thought that was a quick fifteen, but congratulations! Yeah, on that.
2: yeah. am actually, my release date was uh, January twentieth of two thousand twenty-one, so technically I would still be there.
0: Wow. So you get out, and uh, this time you decide uh, you're going to turn your life around. Do you have a connection with the tow truck company, or how does that whole thing come about?
2: Um, so my brother used to own a tow company before I got arrested. And uh, when I lost my job after I found that meth in that bag, I lost my job at this company I worked at. My brother kind of took sympathy on me and helped me out and put me in his tow truck and taught me the ins and outs of towing. So um, I also watched like a lot of things he did to give back to the community. And I wanted to kind of, so, so I was just thinking of all these things I picked up that I learned from him, even in my addiction, I just kind of picked up on certain things that I thought I might be, a, you know, want to be a part of when I come home. So, uh, throughout my 10 years, um, my brother would come visit me a lot and, uh, <clears throat> and I was always picking his brain about, you know, how how to survive in this business because it's a kind of a, it's kind of a cutthroat business. There's a lot of other tow companies out here, but it's something I enjoyed, and it's something that i uh uh um I kind of was thinking that I wanted to get out and I wanted to like really make some changes in my life man I wanted to get out and like be of a service to the community rather than the burden that i was before um this 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 ten years in the feds was uh was the waker that was the one that that was the one that uh changed my thought processes it made me never want to come back. Uh, it made me realize of what I was losing in life out on the streets with my family and my, you know, my kids and, and stuff like that. So, um, I wanted to like try to figure a career when I come home that would, that would be satisfying, not just financially, but mentally as well, because I was, I kind of held like this guilty conscience for, for all the shit that I put the community through. So, I kind of wanted to, you know, I kept inquiring about, you know, if I got a tow truck, you know, how much money could I make in a day? Could I survive? And how could I give back to the community that I victimized all these years? So one of the things my brother had mentioned is, you know, get out and get a tow truck, and you know, and offer cheaper tow services than all the other companies and not to cut at the other companies, but as a way to give back to the community, as a way to to be there for the blue collar folks that, you know, that, that don't have AAA and they don't have the great insurance and they don't have a lot of money and they're getting by paycheck to paycheck. And, and those are the pretty much the kind of victims that I hit when I was stealing stuff, you know, just the random, random people. So, um, so I I had put a lot of effort into the thought behind this, getting this whole tow company started, you know, I knew it was going to take money. Uh, I knew it was going to take time and it was going to take a lot of support from the community that I had victimized all these years. And so I was kind of knowing that I was going against what, you know, I thought the community would support because I had a guilty conscience. So um, uh, I met, well, I didn't meet, but uh, my wife my current wife um she sent me a letter you know seven years into my sentence and we started communicating and then uh uh she jumped on board real quick uh with the whole thought process and support process and we eventually got married in while i was in prison and then afterward uh she came across uh a bunch of money from an inheritance and uh so the ball was rolling to uh, put a plan together for when I come home. So when I got out, the day, you know, when I come home from prison, the day I come home, I immediately got on these new phones that I've never seen that have all this Internet access and all this stuff that I'm still trying to get used to. And I started just looking at tow trucks and, and reading up on stuff, you know, and I found me a decent tow truck at a decent price and I, you know, started me a little bank account and then I just put all of these plans I had in uh, in motion and just started working away at it. And uh, uh, with the love and support from my wife and family and friends, uh, this whole thing just took off. And. Uh, and it's been, it's been, a you know, it's, I don't, I'm not rich by any means or have a bunch of money by any means, but the satisfaction part of it, uh, it's keeping me out of prison. It's keeping me focused on my family. And it, at the same time, it's, uh, I'm giving back to the community. So I offer the least expensive tow rates. Uh, uh, I make, uh, you know, you're i you're out make, there
1: waiting for a tow right now, aren't you? Yeah, I they think, I'm, the, they I think I get, I'm I get it, the traffic.
2: Yeah. <laughs> I'm at Altmaker Park, man.
1: Oh <laughs> uh, no. Oh uh, no, that's a trigger for me. Hey. Uh. <laughs> so, let's talk a little bit about like, you know, where you're at, you know, financially and the struggles you're going through cuz I know um, you know, me owning a tattoo shop, it's not I'm not and everyone thinks you got money just because you own the shop. Well, it's really expensive, and the artists, you know, if they're not working hard, then, you know, you just, like, you got to do the extra work. It's build a bill. You, you know, you got to right. grind. You know, when it comes towards the end of the month, you got to work extra hard because you know these bills are coming up. So, right. you know, a lot of people think because people own a business that um, that you got all this extra money in the bank. But it's not true. We got to work extra hard. And right. it is more for the uh, satisfaction that, you know, you kind of control your own destiny you're not working for some asshole that's breathing down your neck that's got alcohol and and old oysters on its breath or whatever you know um (laughs) (laughs) but um but yeah so that's you know um so what kind of uh encouragement can you give the people that are just out there struggling um with their new businesses or or they're you know maybe thinking about starting a new business um you know what kind of what's what's a you know, a catchphrase or a good, um, encouragement to people to continue to just keep going, moving forward.
2: Well, uh, I have to, I have to kind of go back on some things that my wife just went to, we just talked a lot about what the, where the company's going and how much money I should be making and how much money I could be making. But, uh, but like you said, um, owning a business, uh, when you own a business and you come from a past, like we do, um, everybody we know, and we're very well connected in the communities around here, so everybody expects, like, everybody thinks they can just call Daryl and get a free toe or this big discounted toe, or everybody thinks they can call Mark Gailey and get, you know, uh, you know, a free tattoo or, a, or a, a... They all want
1: 20 or 40 bucks, and, you know, at first it's cool, uh, yeah. no problem, but then it adds up. I realize <laughs> we've got thousands of dollars in 20 and 40 bucks. Hey, we're going to go yeah, to a break cool. right now, Daryl. You go ahead and uh, um, take a breath for a minute, and we're going to go um, pay some bills. All right. CPA Dudes, where accounting is never boring. Their price is not based on time. Instead, customers decide what to pay them. They don't charge you for sending invoices, phone calls, emails, texts, or meetings. They just get the damn job done. Find them at cpadudes.com slash startup radio. Tell them Dave and Lad sent you, and we'll send you a very special surprise. Seriously, we will.
2: Today's episode of the Felony Inc. podcast is brought to you by Publicize, a deconstructed PR subscription service which generates effective visibility for your business. Publicize handles all communications with the media and any content required to do this, such as press releases, editorial pitches, etc. And they offer a wide range of PR products and abilities
1: out of which you can construct the PR package right for the future of your business. Uh, Nice hearing Lad's lovely voice. Lad or Dave, if you're out there, we want to send you our mutual respects. Um, We appreciate you guys for everything you do. Absolutely. Dick, you had some questions for Daryl.
0: Yeah, uh, so, I mean, I know it's it's really easy in this podcast to kind of be like, oh, you know, I was in jail and then I did this and everything is where it's at now. just out of curiosity, because I know how cutthroat uh, the tow truck company business is. When you came out, uh, obviously the first step was getting the truck, which you explained how that went. Uh, but right. the second step, how do you you go from getting the truck, how do you go from marketing yourself, how do you go from actually making <laughs> a profit off the truck? Like, What's the thought process on that?
2: Um, so what I did is, uh, I just asked my brother when I had stupid questions, I just asked him. So what I did is I got my truck, I dressed up as nice as I possibly could. I had a bunch of business cards made and I went from one into town. Uh, the the whole social media and the whole phone thing, I don't know anything about it. And everybody was trying to like, get me to put all this extra money into marketing. And I don't know nothing about marketing. So my, I I was kind of old school on the marketing. I just went I started at East Springfield at the very last shop and going out of town and I just drove my truck into a parking lot of every single shop from East Springfield to West Eugene and I walked in with a stack of cards and a story and just told everybody who I was, what I'm doing, what my rates were, and I you know, I explained, you know, I know there's other tow companies and you guys have your loyalties and stuff and I don't want to step on toes, but if you guys ever get if they're ever booked up or you ever need any help, give me a call. And I just went from one end of town to the other, Um, and I tried to spend, you know, a half hour at least with each shop owner so that I wasn't just going in and talking to a secretary. I I walked in, asked for the owner, asked if I could set an appointment with them if they weren't there. Um, I had to sit down with them. I told them who I was. I gave them a little bit about my past, not a lot, just a little bit, and you know, where I want to be in, you know, in in five years. And, and you know, I just kind of gave him a little personal so that he could get to know me. And, uh, um, and that was my, that was my marketing strategy, just going into every single shop, meeting every single shop owner that I could, um, and then offering, you know, a little bonus, you know, if their mechanics move, I'll tow their boxes for free, stuff like that. um, my marketing was just kind of word of mouth handing out cards and then just kind of waiting till people see my truck out on the road regularly you know i made some signs i decorated up my truck real nice so that people saw my truck on the road towing cars you know for these shops i didn't uh, i don't get into repos and i don't get into impounds and i don't get into the the negative what i consider I mean it's a business but I don't put myself in that position I just want to help people basically at a inexpensive rate and I think that the I think the community the shop owners like respected that and uh I wasn't just some guy there's a there's a guy that everybody refers to in town I won't mention his name but I wasn't he he had the similar financial strategy but he had a real bad reputation so I wasn't trying to like be in his category um, like that. So I, I wanted my relationship with the community to be a little more uh, personal. And so I didn't use, you know, I don't know nothing about Google and Yelp and, you know, all that stuff. And I really still don't. I still just, I just try to meet people and have a personal connection with people. And that's my real, that's my real only marketing strategy is just trying to push myself out there, um, to get to know people.
0: And that makes sense. So, I mean, it's so easy to kind of, when you think of tow truck companies to get a negative connotation with that, because there's so many people, so many of us have got our car towed from apartment complex or wherever it's not supposed to be towed from. And it's this huge, like very uh, negative experience. Um, so you'd say that you're basically kind of angle on that and the reason why you're successful the way you are is you just avoided that entire thing altogether and just try to be more of a community relations type tow truck company. Right. So, I mean, for for people that are listening right now, uh have have you done have you done like repossessions of cars? Have you done anything that's kind of negatively uh, connotated with tow truck companies, or do you just stick to just helping people when they're in need, or a car that needs to be off the property, things like that?
2: Yeah, I don't do any of that. Um, I, I don't do any repossessions, and I don't do any impounds. I don't. Uh, I just got a tow yard last week so that I can actually um, uh, have a spot to store vehicles in case a customer. I've had customers just, like, have me go tow a car and then just not answer the phone. They just kind of wanted it off the road so they weren't reliable. Um, I don't do any kind of tows like that. The only tows I do are if somebody calls me and they need a tow and they don't have a lot of money.
0: Are you just based in the Eugene-Springfield area? Like yes, yeah, I do
2: Eugene-Springfield. You know, these surrounding, immediate surrounding areas. I don't try to get to Salem and Portland and, you know, Roseburg and stuff like that. I just have the one truck. I run it myself. So I just try to stay right here in the, you know, immediate community. Oak Ridge maybe, you know, just kind of right around in this area.
0: Okay, and you say you've been struggling with the uh, kind of getting the grasp on social media, online type things. So, is there a, a particular phone number or something people can reach you at if they need a toe in that area? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, it's
2: five. It's five four one six zero 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 one one.
0: Okay, and uh, what can people expect if they call that number? You know, and look for they need a toe from you.
2: Um, all my toes in Eugene's Freefield are fifty dollars. And that's about that's about half uh of a, like a normal tow in Eugene Springfield is usually around a hundred bucks. So I charge fifty. Um I don't you know, again, this wasn't this thing didn't start off to get rich. This thing started off to where I was just trying to kind of gift the community a little bit with my uh with my rates as a is an opportunity to give back. Um, as I've been out, this is my third year out last week was my third year out. Um, I've been talking about different things to make money and and be more successful because I'm kind of feeling like at three years, you know, I've done a lot of work for this community. I do a lot of stuff for veterans and seniors, a lot of stuff for single moms with kids that are on tight budgets. Uh, I donate, donated to the Arc of Lane County for a year, uh, $5, all my toes, um, I still do their towing for free, but I stopped a lot of my donations because I was doing that kind of like as a publicity thing to get my name out there. Uh, you know, I also uh, have the capabilities if I see a stranded person on the side of the road, if I see elderly or I see a veteran, you know, got a veteran place on the side of the road. I have that the the ability to pull over and just generally help that person if I think they need help. And they can't afford it, or they don't have insurance, and so that's one of the things that uh, I still enjoy doing. But as a business, um, I also know that uh, with this new age, with what the community, you know, they haven't been to prison, so they're they're used to those phones, and they're used to being able to get on Google, and they're used to that kind of stuff. So I still have a ways to go as far as reaching out for uh, marketing. I just um, I just don't know how to do it.
0: Yeah, makes sense. I mean, it sounds like you still continue to kind of uh, press towards that, and you're working towards kind of figuring out online strategies. One thing that I'm kind of curious about, though, um, obviously, I've had my car towed a lot of times, uh, either by AAA or other companies. Um, uh, Basically, it seems like when you when you get a car towed, there's a ton of steps. It's a very intricate process. That's I mean, you have a lot on the line, basically. You don't want to mess that up, picking a car up and, and taking it to another location. How long did yeah. it take uh, after you got your first truck, after you started doing your own business, before you felt like really comfortable with the whole process?
2: Um, it took a little while to, to re-familiarize myself with the things I learned in the past. Uh, and to also try to. Uh, I think I I wasn't educated enough as far as the laws and uh, uh, licensing and the legalities behind it. So I'm not even really sure that you know I'm all the way 100% as comfortable as I'd like to be uh, because it's kind of a learning uh, it's kind of a learning experience as we go. Um, but I feel very comfortable right now. Uh, you know, I I can tow I've tow I tow ambulances for Lane Community College. I do all their towing. I can tow low riders, uh, a lot of these guys that are running around in these little hot rod, you know, eclipses and stuff that's real low to the ground. I've I've got my truck to the point where I can tow big heavy stuff and I can tow little stuff and I feel comfortable doing that without damaging any vehicles or anybody's property.
0: Good. And that's all stuff that takes experience and time doing, you know, obviously. Right. Um so basically yeah, how long have you been doing this now? You said a couple uh three, four years?
2: Yeah, I just uh the sixteenth of this month was my uh I when I got out of prison and I started the company the next month. So so I've been just under three years.
1: Okay. Wow, time flies.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah keep flying.
1: Congratulations. Through.
0: Yeah, do you have any you. plans
1: to like expand, like maybe get some more trucks, maybe we'll hire some people or what's, what's that look um, like? What's the expansion look like or growth? I do
2: have a second truck right now. I just haven't really, um, oh, can I've I been trying that? to get it. Uh, yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I got so much stuff I want towed.
2: <laughs> I know. Mark always wants me to go to Portland to tow a car three blocks.
1: <laughs> <laughs> they're classic, they're cra- classic project cars. They're, yeah. They're cool.
2: Yeah, I know they are. You got some good stuff. Um, I got another truck. I still got to put a bunch of money into it. <coughs> um, uh, I, I got a motorcycle habit, uh, so every, it seems like um, every time I come ahead a little bit, I see something shiny at the Harley shop. I have to have for oh, my hey, bike.
1: Let's talk about your little accident you had. I know you uh, you wrecked it on your bike. Where all I was worried because I thought you know because from what I heard on the social media, I was like, oh no, Daryl's like you know. ICU or whatever it wasn't as bad as I thought it was but um how did the uh, accident affect you because I know let's talk about that a little bit you got in the motorcycle accident
2: yeah so uh so I kind of um so there was a part there at the beginning of the year where I was sneaking little drinks here and there just uh Uh-oh. because I could yeah and oh. uh so um I just have like a beer once in a while smoke a little bit of weed once in a while at night mostly at night Get a little buckles. Y- yes um <laughs> And, uh, so, I mean, it was kind of a, it wasn't really anything I considered out of hand or whatever, but, um, I'm not minimizing that one bit either. But, uh, so I was on my bike, uh, and I, there was a mechanical failure and one of my oil lines had came off and, uh, soaked my back wheel and with motor oil and I was Ugh. going around a corner. You didn't I even around know a, it. Yeah. I didn't even know it. And I was going around a corner and I hit one of those white crosswalks. Stripes, and that oiled up tire hit that white paint and it just sort of slid the bike out from under me and uh I wasn't going very fast, but uh um I broke uh, all my ribs on one side, broke my shoulder bone on front and back and really got messed up, punctured alone. I was wow. pretty beat up. Um it that also was a uh uh that was like when I said at the beginning of the show that I'm a hundred percent clean and sober, um I you know the little that little tiny bit of weed I would smoke at night before bed that's gone, and the, you know the beer two once in a while that's gone. Um, you uh, think
1: that that affected your judgment that day?
2: You mm. know what? I don't really believe that. I mean the I don't really believe that that had anything to do that with has the accident to do with it. Okay. because of the because of the mechanical failure. Right. um it would have happened I whether you're
1: in clear mind and whatever? Yeah,
2: it, it wouldn't have mattered either way. I was still going to crash. Um because of the oil and that white paint.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, so uh, it was also like just a normal, just a wake-up call, because I had barely just started, you know, having a beer once in a while and, and, and trying to smoke a little weed once in a while, because when I come home from prison, it was legal, and I was kind of fascinated by it. But
1: right.
2: but I was I wasn't going to do anything while I was on paper, and I was just trying to do this focus on this job and focus on this company. And then, so it's like as soon as I started to, like, play a little bit, um, I went down on my bike and then, and so I started like you know, when I come home from the hospital I'm just like wow that was like a that was like a slap in the face saying, Hey stupid, um, you know, focus back on your you know I w I didn't lose any focus, but you know, it's time to it You could know, have gone further. Yeah, yeah, it could have and
1: a Little here, a little and there, a little, more, a little more, a little more.
2: But uh um well, I'm, yeah, glad you're, I'm glad you're okay, Daryl. Yeah, me too. Um, I'm back to full work. I mean, I didn't lose a bunch of time uh, working. Um, and I had a lot of community support. I had a lot of friends at the hospital. And I had a lot of uh, uh, people that uh, pitched in, to, uh, you know, to help make sure that everything was okay with my company. And I had friends that wanted to drive my truck for me and keep me going. And um, so I didn't take a big loss like that. But uh but i did i did learn a lot um you know every day is a learning experience and, and and uh and it's a you know one foot in front of the other and keep plugging away at making the best of my life right on.
0: that's great man uh just out of curiosity uh what advice would you give i mean i know in portland i'm sure it's very similar in eugene springfield but uh obviously The tow truck companies that run things up here, like Retriever Towing and these other companies, it's really hard to break into this business, I'm assuming. Um, So let's say, hypothetically, uh, I was up here and just wanted to kind of get into the tow truck business. What advice would you give to a young person um, curious or interested in starting their own tow truck company in a a major market such as this, or even Eugene?
2: Um, I would just say that uh, you got to be prepared to give it your all. Uh, you got to be dedicated. Um, you got to have a plan, uh, and you got to have you know um, the desire to be successful and to have an energy behind you, like to have some kind of drive and focus, something that makes you want to do what you do and be successful. Um, it takes a little bit of money to get into it, but uh, um, but it's attitude it's uh especially somebody coming out of prison or um you know it's 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 i think it's it's very personal uh, with any career it's very personal you got to give it 100% and you got to be ready to be uh, ridiculed and ready for people to uh there's always going to be people out there that that feel tow truck companies are scoundrels and you know we're just out here ripping off cars and we're just trying to make money so there's always uh, that. Uh, I'm I'm always trying to be ready for that. So the thing is, is just not letting all the the people that feel that way impact your day to day activities and and take you away from your focus as far as your goals and your plans.
0: Yeah, I mean that's great words of wisdom right there, honestly. And I think that's. It, I mean, everything about that is kind of linear to every other kind of emerging business or anything that you might struggle in trying to create your right. uh, name for yourself, right?
2: right. I mean, i've seen I've seen Mark be successful um and I know just because he's my friend, and I know like. I'm going to call Mark and want a free tattoo.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you got one, brother.
2: <laughs> I think I think, the last, you know?
1: I think when I wasn't tattooing and you're one of the few people I tattooed when I was selling cars and I quit tattooing for a while, you're one of the few people I actually tattooed in my mom's kitchen. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, you, remember uh, what that, you remember what that tattoo was, Mark?
1: Um, yeah, it was a clock with some clouds or some swirly stuff. I think you had your uh, daughter's name in there.
2: Yep. No, I didn't have the daughter's name there. I put the daughter. I put my daughter's name down further on my leg.
1: Okay, but I did yeah. that too. I believe so. Yeah, so it was a clock, right? <laughs> yes. So pretty good memory, Dick. You're trying to catch me, aren't you? <laughs> good, this guy's good. <laughs> hey, <laughs> Daryl, D- 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 you got to meet. You got to meet. Dick. He's incredible. Um, <laughs> he's, um, he's off the hook, though. D- have you seen the oh. Vagina Mobile? <laughs> <laughs> I get, No, I haven't seen that one. Oh, it's, it's awesome. Uh, I get to ride in and as soon as we're done here. I'm going to
0: have him drop me off. <laughs> yeah, it needs a to tow quite often as well.
2: <laughs> well, I mean, I, I'm sure in Portland, uh, there's, there's all kinds of cool cars I'd like to come see.
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, do you ever come up here? Do you ever think about maybe expanding out of Eugene and Springfield up to Portland? Or are you just no, you're very, no. very comfortable where you're at right now?
2: Yeah, I'm pretty. I mean, I would like to maybe get one more truck on the road and just kind of. I'm kind of a keep it simple. I don't want to get too big. I think that with all these other companies, you know, they got a lot of overhead, and they got a lot of you know responsibilities with employees and and stuff like that. I kind of want to avoid all that. I kind of want to just keep it small. You should um, um,
1: paint your tow trucks pink with vaginas on them. That'd be like you can't that, forget that.
2: Yeah, that um, would be good. I, I mean, I stuck who, a vagina. I stuck a vagina in the dash of my FXR Harley.
1: Did you? <laughs> I like that. Yeah,
2: I had a key. I took the ignition out. I had a different ignition put in. So I had a blank hole on my dash, <laughs>
1: uh-huh. and
2: I just stuck one of those little vaginas on there. Uh, where do you get little
1: vaginas? I've been looking for those uh, from for a while. The sex shop.
2: Yeah, okay. from the sex shop.
1: Okay, I've been looking for those for a while. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. There's nothing wrong with a big vagina, I guess.
2: <laughs> it was a small hole.
0: Okay. That's good to know, though. I mean, you know, it's kind of refreshing in a way. You're not asking to, you know, want too much. You're not, you know, taking out a bunch of stress. You have a nice situation going on in Lane County and Eugene and, um, you know, and you're comfortable. And that's the most important thing, in my opinion. You know, it's not about uh, just blowing up and trying to take things to the next level all the time, you know, Uh, right.
1: Yeah. I yeah. get that totally. Uh-huh. Being a tattoo artist, I had up to eleven artists in my shop at one time. It was a nightmare, trust me. Now I'm down to like six, and I'm pretty. I'm pretty cool. I got a good little. We're all pretty close, so I get to not expand. I wanted to, you know, I wanted to run eleven artists through there. I guess it's like, but looking back on that, I was like, uh-uh right. I'm, 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 I'm an overpaid babysitter.
2: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Another thing is, is uh, uh, my wife has a good job. And uh oh, I need like, a wife
1: with a good job. She got any sisters?
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh so my wife has a great job and um one of the things about my business is is I, I don't have like medical insurance. And uh I was blessed uh that my wife has uh, good medical insurance and she has a good job. So oh. um our whole existence doesn't depend on like what I do at the end of the day. So That's um, awesome. That makes it a little more comfortable because you know she brings a lot to the table. All right, so, well,
1: not- all right, we're gonna cut you off here. That's awesome, bro. Um, we're gonna um, wrap this up. Any last little things you want to shout out to inspire somebody? Because that's this is about inspiration and, and motivation, helping people uh, see uh, if you could go back in time and someone said something that you know now that would be inspiring.
2: Uh, All I want to, I just want everybody coming out of prison to have hope and faith and and desire to change their lives and succeed. And uh, if that's their goal, they're going to make it. Um, You know, people, I I really am a devout supporter of all guys coming out of prison and helping them succeed. So whatever they want to do, whether it be towing cars, working in a mill, driving a forklift, whatever they want to do, um, is to just never give up. On themselves and always look back at what they've done, and use that as fuel to succeed. Like I I use my I use my past negativity as a fuel to continue to succeed.
1: That's awesome. I know Shay Prim needs a job. Uh, Yeah, he's he's out there uh, of all people. But um, uh, I was gonna say something. I just totally went um, blank. So
0: those are great words of encouragement, man, and uh, inspiration, and obviously. Me, Mark, uh, and everyone else that might be listening to this podcast, your story is definitely very influential, and uh, we wish you nothing but the best and more success in the future for sure.
1: Yeah, if anybody knows cool. any inspirational stories out there, just uh, message me or Dick or Ilan at the Startup Radio Network because we're always looking for more inspirational and incredible stories. Awesome. Thank you, Darrell.
2: And, and I'm glad you guys do this, man. That's awesome. Yeah, it's
1: inspiring for me, too, actually. It, it's, it keeps me grounded and keeps me focused. Otherwise, I just forget where I came from. Yeah, I love doing right. it. All right, that's the fastest hour in a podcast radio network. There we go. Thank you, everybody, for listening.
2: Right on. Thanks, guys. Thank you.
1: Support for today's episode comes from our friends at Ruby Receptionists. At Ruby, they've mastered the art of turning rings into relationships. Their team of remote receptionists answer all your calls live as if they're right there in your office. And with Ruby's mobile app, you can easily control how they screen, transfer, and take your messages. Together, you and Ruby transform your phone into the sales engine it was meant to be. Visit callruby.com slash radio to sign up, or better yet, call them at 833-861-8100 and use promo code STARTUPRUBY. Tell them Felony Inc sent you and get $150 credit.
0: You're listening to the Startup Radio Network. Listen. Learn. Launch. 10%